Hey everyone, this is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, fourth installment of the Rapid Fire podcast, bringing you the positional breakdowns, giving you my top 10 by position, who those guys are going to be to keep an eye out for on day two, and who might be those day three sleepers that you'll have to keep your eye on as well. We've covered the quarterbacks, running backs, and receivers. So we got to stay on the offensive side of the football, talk about the tight ends, and then really get into that offensive line, get a, in, in the trenches and talk about what we can expect on the offensive line. Uh, we've got a lot to cover. we got four different positions that we have to cover here on this podcast. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump into things, right? Tight end position. When you think about the tight ends, since 2000, 22 tight ends have been taken in the first round. Now, in 2011 and 2012, and then in 2015 and 2016, no tight ends were taken in round number one. Now, there were five drafts, 2000, 2002, 2004, 2006, and 2017, where multiple tight ends were taken in in the first round. That's going to be key here in just a moment. Three drafts, we actually had tight ends taken in the top 10. Now, that's going to be relevant with our discussion here in a moment as well. 2004, Kellen Winslow Jr., 6'5", 251 pounds, ran a 4.6240, coming off 60 receptions for 605 yards, um, was the Browns' number six overall pick in 2004. In tw- uh, 2006, Vernon Davis, 6'3", two, 254 pounds, ran a blistering 4.3840, was just, just took the combine by storm. Uh, 51 receptions, 831 yards, uh, was the 49ers number six overall selection. Then you have Eric Ebron, 6'2", 250 pounds, 4'6", 40, 62 receptions, 973 yards and three touchdowns, ended up being the Lions number 10 overall pick. Why is that important? Well, there's a chance we could see number four, the fourth tight end taken in the draft in the top 10, TJ Hawkinson. Out of Iowa. He's my number one tight end, by the way. TJ Hawkinson has a chance to go in the top 10 because there are quite a few teams in that top 10 that are looking for a tight end. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Right now, uh, Ben Koyak is, is the number one tight end on the roster, and he's more of a blocking tight end. You know, they really need a, another option there for Nick Foles at uh, the tight end position. I think they end up going offensive line, though, but just something to keep an eye out for. How about the Lions? Lions could use... A tight end as well, um, you know. But would the Lions, you know, just a few years removed from from taking Ebron number ten overall, who's now putting up big numbers there in Indianapolis, would the Detroit Lions do that? Considering they need pass rush help, not sure that that's going to happen either. And then you have the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills. They lost Charles Clay. They brought in Tyler Croft, but they could use another tight end. Potentially, you could have. TJ Hawkinson end up in the Bills uniform, but I think they need to address both sides of the line. Um, so I, I just don't see that happening. Um, maybe the most realistic could end up being Denver, number 10 overall. You know, Jeff Hireman, Jake Butt, um, you know, are a couple of the tight ends that are sitting there on the roster right now. And, and I think they could use another pass, pass catching option there at the tight end position, someone who's a little bit more explosive, a downfield threat. Um, and someone who could be punishing in the running game there for Philip Lindsay, could TJ Hawkinson go to Denver? 
I still argue if Drew Locke is on the board, John Elway pulls the trigger, gets his quarterback of the future who can play behind Joe Flacco. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I still think that TJ Hawkins is going to be taken in the first half of the first round, likely to the Packers there at number 12. You know, and I think it is significant that we've only seen three tight ends that were actually taken in the top 10, um, you know, in, in, in the draft, in the history of the draft. So, um, It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Now, in 2017, we actually had three tight ends taken in the first round. O.J. Howard, who was 6'5", 251 pounds, 4'5", 140, 45 receptions, 595 yards, three touchdowns, was the 19th overall pick of the Bucks. Evan Engram, 6'3", 234, blistering 4'4", 240, 65 receptions, 926 yards, eight touchdowns with the Giants' 23rd overall pick. And then David Njoku, there for the, the, the Hurricane. 6'4", 246 pounds, 4'6", 440, 43 receptions, 698 yards, and eight touchdowns. I mean, you look at all of these guys, you know, I think the one thing that's in con- you know, that they all share, you know, they ran sub 465. And, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, they were very productive in, in the passing game. You know, all of them had... Um, at least, uh, let's see. Yeah, they all had at, at least 40 receptions, you know, at, for at least, um, 600 yards. You know, OJ was just five, five yards off from that. Um, so when you look at that and you're talking about that productivity, are we going to see that out of this year's draft class? Well, TJ Hawkinson, um, definitely fits that bill. When you look at TJ, uh, 6'5", 251, redshirt sophomore, 49 receptions, 760 yards, six touchdowns. Um, you know, only difference there, ran a 4'7", 40 at the combine. Noah Fant, 6'4", 249, 39 receptions, 519 yards, seven touchdowns, a year removed from when he had 11 touchdowns as a sophomore, ran a 4'5", 40. And then you have Irv Smith Jr. out of Alabama, 6'2", 242 pounds, 44 reception, 710 yards. Uh, so he bested uh, and and seven touchdowns, bested the you know most of the numbers there from from OJ Howard, and uh, you know at the combine ends up running a four six three. So you know the the numbers are there, and I think you have a good shot at seeing three tight ends taken in round number one yet again. Now what I want to take a look at real quick before we get into my top 10 and really break everything down. Um, take a look at the last five years. So 2014, we had 10 tight ends taken in the draft. Um, and, and seven of those were taken in the first three rounds. You know, Eric Ebron was taken number 10 overall in, in that draft. And I think, you know, in the third round, the other notable uh, selection, 98 overall uh, to the Packers, Richard Rogers. You know, more of a blocking tight end, um, but definitely w- was taken, um, you know, in on day two for that blocking prowess. Uh, 2015, we saw quite a few tight ends off the board, 19 to be exact. It's the highest number uh, in the last five years. No court, no tight ends taken in round number one, and, and only four in the first three rounds. Now, this was the year that Max Williams was the number one tight end taken, uh, Clive Walford, uh, Tyler Croft and Jeff Hireman taken in uh, round number three. Um, you know, if you skip uh, skip ahead, uh, you know Blake Bell and, and the Bell Dozer in the fourth round. But you know, fifth round, 
there's actually some decent value there. You have Michael Pruitt, CJ uh, Uzuma uh, out of Auburn, uh, Jesse James from Penn State, Nick Boyle, all four of those tight ends seeing some action, um, you know, and, and are all on rosters. Uh, same with, with Ben Koyak and Jeff Swaim uh, in the seventh round. Um, so the tight end position, you can still get some depth uh, or, you know, pick some people up late in, in the draft. Um, you know, 2016, you know, there were 11 tight ends taken yet again. No tight ends in the first round, just three um, in the first two days. Um, but when you look at it, those three tight ends, Hunter Henry, Austin Hooper, Nick Vanette. Two out of those three guys, well, really, you know, Nick Vanette started some for, for Seattle as well. So really all three of these guys, you know, have a starting capability. And then Tyler Higby, uh, there, the number four tight end, he's also gotten to start for the Rams. 2018 saw 14 tight ends taken. So you had, that was OJ, Evan, and, and David Njoku. Um, you know, Gerald Everett taken in round number two. John U. Smith taken in round number three. But here's a guy taken in the fifth round who's really taken the world by storm uh, you know, a season ago, and that was George Kittle out of Iowa. Nobody saw this guy coming. You know, fifth round selection of the 49ers. And if you look at his numbers in his entire career, 48 receptions, 737 yards, had a 15.4 yard per catch average, and and 10 touchdowns. All 10 touchdowns uh, hauled in in his last two seasons. Really, he had only played in in six games prior to his, his junior year. You know, 6'4", 247 pounds. But one of the keys, ran a 4'5", 240. You know, and it would have been number two on the list in, in this year's draft class to Noah Fant in that category. Um, you know, and short shuttle of a 4.55, a three-cone drill of, of just seven seconds, 35-inch vertical leap. So the athleticism was absolutely there. So as we look at these tight ends and we talk about some of the athleticism, some of the numbers at the combine, thinking about, you know, who's going to be the next George Kittle? 2018, we had 15 tight ends taken. Only Hayden Hurst taken 25th overall by the Ravens in round number one. You know, we saw Mike Kosicki, Dallas Goddard go uh, in the second round. Mark Andrews, you know, ended up being a steal there in the third round for the Ravens. Um, Ian Thomas, Chris Herndon, Will Disley all getting playing time, you know, drafted in the fourth round. And then you had Jalen Samuels, you know, kind of a jack-of-all-trades, do-everything type of guy. Was he a fullback? Was he a tight end? Was he a running back? Um, you know, he was taken in round number five, and I think he was kind of entered as a tight end. But uh, ultimately now he is the backup running back there in Pittsburgh to James Conner. So when you're talking about some of these con- these, these converts, um, Tyree McCants out of South Florida. He's a receiver by trade, but he, he you know, 5'11", 240 pounds. You know, is he going to convert to a tight end? Could he potentially be a, an H-back, fullback? 
Um, I, I think with his athleticism, his hands, you know, he runs a lot like a wide receiver. He's going to be, you know, kind of an undersized tight end, but a guy who I think could stick, especially, you know, put him in the slot and, and allow him to outmuscle some guys down the field. Um, you know, that'll be an intriguing guy to, to keep an eye on throughout this, uh, this draft over the next three days. Um, likely going to be a, a late round pick, possibly a priority free agent, but someone to keep an eye on. So as I promised, my top 10. So TJ Hawkinson, as I said, number number one in in this draft class, and uh, you know he, the Mackey Award winner, tremendous year, forty nine receptions, as I said, seven hundred sixty yards, six touchdowns. Um, this was a guy who, um, you know, absolutely natural pass catcher, um, extends you know for the football with his hands away from his body, so that the defenders can't get in and make a play on the football. Tremendous body control, able to adjust to the ball in the air, tracks the ball so well in the air and attacks it, um, elevating, plucking the ball out of the air at its highest point. Um, just seems to catch everything thrown his way. Um, reliable target, huge catch radius, and uh, you know just a weapon down the football field. Now here's here's the thing with. TJ Hawkinson that really takes him to the next level. It's his blocking prowess. And I, I've outlined this previously, but I wanted to kind of go over some of the, the blocks. Um, you know, few, few tight ends are as physical at the point of attack. You know, he just fires so quickly out of his stance with the low pad level. The hips really roll into the into the blocks. Powerful punch at the point of attack. Generates pad movement or uh, uh, generates movement there with, with the low center of gravity. And uh, his game film is honestly a, a highlight reel of, of pancake blocks. Um, you know, I outlined, you know, against Nebraska, fires off the ball. Met linebacker Diedrich Young about five yards down the field. Hands perfectly placed under his pad level, right under that chest plate there on the inside. Use that leg drive to, to really clear him out down the field a good 10 yards before putting him on his back. Powerful leg drive against Michael Zimba uh, of, of Indiana, this poor guy. Uh, was absolutely mauled at the point of attack. Drove him back five yards, ultimately forcing Zimba down to his knees before ultimately planting him to finish that block. And uh, you know, Makai Sargent ends up scoring on a four-yard touchdown against Illinois. And, and TJ Hawkinson drives that linebacker all the way outside, three yards, and into the end zone, and just buries the guy. Now, I could keep going on and on and on about TJ Hawkinson, the blocker, but you get the picture. He is a complete tight end, and uh, I think he is worthy of this potential, you know, all this top, top 10 talk. Um, I think he's going to end up just out of that. I think, you know, you're, you're looking at Green Bay. I think Green Bay is going to turn things on their, on, you know, upside down a little bit. You know, the normal, um, you know, the, the prior regime with, with Mike McCarthy, only two draft picks. Um, under Mike McCarthy, you know, two first round picks were actually used on the offensive side of the ball. And those were two offensive tackles, Derek Sherrod and Brian Balaga. I think they, you know, turn everything on its head and, and my, Matt LaFleur is going to be looking for some additional weapons for Aaron Rodgers in the passing game. And look, TJ Hawkinson is also going to help you out in the run game. I think he's going to go tight end. I think they're going to go wide receiver with their second first round pick. Uh, but TJ Hawkinson is definitely a guy to keep an eye out, um, on uh, the first day of the draft. Where is he going to go? Um, because that's also going to impact his teammate there at Iowa and, and Noah Fant. You know, we've never seen two tight ends from the same program uh, get drafted in the first round. You know, and we haven't seen a tight, two tight ends taken in uh, the top 20 picks. And that's a possibility here with this draft as well. 
Now, Noah Fant, 6'4", 249 pounds out of Iowa. Really, everyone was expecting him to be the number one tight end prospect. And had it not been for TJ Hawkinson, obviously, uh, he would be. Um, 18 touchdowns in the last two seasons. You know, just a touchdown machine. Uh, 78 receptions for uh, over 1,000 yards uh, in his career. And, you know, you want to talk about a guy who can stretch defenses up the seam. So athletic, just very, you know, gets vertical in a hurry. Has a 39 and a half inch vertical leap. So he's able to to elevate over you and, and make plays. Um, was a red zone nightmare. Um, you know, and at the combine really put on a show. In addition to that 4-5-40 and the vertical leap, 6 8 one uh, second three cone drill, which would have been fourth fastest among the wide receivers. Uh, just an, an impressive, impressive athlete, uh, ultra athletic, um, you know, obvious weapon in, in the red zone, huge uh, catch radius, able to extend for the low, even the low throws down below him. Um, now, as a blocker, um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a willing blocker, but I, I think he needs to have better play strength at the point of attack, um, you know, to be more effective in the run game. But I think he has good form. He does a good job getting the hands inside, um, you know, the, the defender and generates pretty good movement with his leg drive. Um, but as a receiver, I think he gets pushed around a little bit, gets knocked off, um, easily getting re- redirected. Uh, needs to kind of develop some more of that contact balance uh, with his route running. But uh, I liken him a little bit to Evan Engram. I think his draft status is going to be similar to Engram's. You know, Engram was taken number 23 overall. I actually have Noah Fant um, going number 27 to the Raiders. You know, the Raiders, man, I'm looking at their force four picks, and I've got them taking Josh Allen, Greedy Williams, Noah Fant, Josh Jacobs. Not out of the realm of possibility. You know, if Mike Mike Mayock can pull that off and get those four guys, um, then you know I, I think he'd have a successful draft there in the first four picks. John Gruden said, "Hey, don't screw this up." I think if he's able to pull put that together, um, I don't think anyone's going to be arguing with him there in Oakland. Number three, Irv Smith, Irv Smith Jr. Um, you know, wants to follow in his in his father's footsteps. Um, you know, and, and really, um, be the next Irv Smith there in the, um, in the NFL, you know, both, both he and, and, you know, his predecessor, OJ Howard taken in the first round of the draft. And, uh, I look at, I look at Irv Smith and you know, he was a backup to Howard as a sophomore and really took off as a junior, you know, again, 44 receptions, 710 yards, and, and seven touchdowns. Um, you know, I thought his athleticism allowed him to run a, a variety of different routes. So you'd see him running crosses, corners, verticals, and posts, in addition to attacking the seam. You know, so definitely not a one-trick pony. Sturdy base, balance required to run through contact. Uh, good job just, uh, shedding blockers. Um, or sh- I'm sorry, shielding blockers from, from the football. And uh, just does an absolutely, you know, tremendous job timing his jumps to high point the football as well. Uh, Pretty sound as a blocker, fires out of his stance, wide base, good hand placement under the defender's pad level, generates movement with a pretty strong uh, leg drive as well. I think he can be a tight end one at the next level. And uh, I'm looking at the Patriots. Uh, Patriots are going to need to replace Gronk. And, uh, you know, there's a chance to get Irv Smith there in round number one. Now, they, they could go defensive end. They could go defensive tackle. There are a number of positions that um, 
the Patriots could go. And I, and I wrote previously that they were going to go uh, Dawson Knox, who we're going to be talking about here in just a moment. He's my number five tight end. Um, but talking about it, possibly taking him on day two. And there's a chance you know, with, with the Patriots and all of their draft picks that they could end up taking two tight ends in the draft. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that. We just saw that a year ago uh, with Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews going to the Ravens. Jay Sternberger, my number four tight end, 6'4", 251 pounds out of Texas A&M. Now, he, he kind of took the unconventional way, uh, route to get to the NFL. Uh, started off in at, at Kansas Redshirted in 2015, 2016, played in just two games, ended up transferring to, I want to say it was Northeast Oklahoma. Um, you know, he was there for, for a year and then ultimately came to Texas A&M in 2018. Uh, 48 receptions, led all tight ends with 832 yards. That's a 17.3 yard per catch average, 10 touchdowns. Uh, at the combine, you know, the, the 40 time, not not explosive, 475 Um but, but here's the thing. I thought he was excellent route runner. Um, absolutely does a great job up the seam. I thought his corner routes were, were spectacular. Runs very well with the football after the catch. Not the best blocker. But I, I think he's going to be really good value there uh, in, in the third round. I think that's where you're going to see a lot of tight ends taken um, after these first three. You may not see a tight end taken in the second round. But I'd argue that you could potentially see... You know, four, maybe five tight ends taken in the third round. And that would start with Jay Sternberger and Dawson Knox, as I mentioned, out of Ole Miss. Now, Dawson Knox, interesting tight end um, prospect. Just 39 receptions for 605 yards in his career. Never scored a touchdown for Ole Miss. But again, when you're sharing passes you know, with the likes of DK Metcalf, you know, Demarcus Lodge and, and A.J. Brown, you're not going to have a ton of production necessarily, but here's here's the deal with with Dawson Knox. You know, 18.9 yards per reception in 2018. So when he ended up making plays on the football, when he was asked to do that, um, he was a very explosive, um, tremendously athletic. Ran a four five seven forty at his pro day. Would have been third fastest among tight ends at the at the at the combine. Absolutely can stretch defenses up the seam. Can be a weapon up the sideline on vertical routes. Excellent leaper, um, you know, another guy who can pluck the ball out of the air. Very aggressive as a run blocker. Good pop at the point of attack. Decent leg drive as well. Um, I think he's going to, again, work on that route running a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to develop into a combo tight end with starter potential. Absolutely. Um, you know, he, he's still kind of new to the tight end position. Um, you know, he... Uh, was a was a high school high school quarterback, recruited to Ole Miss as a tight end, redshirted his first year as a walk on to put on some size for the position, and uh, basically saw the field as a you know on special teams in 2016 before really getting a chance to contribute on offense as a redshirt sophomore. Um, so he's still kind of new to the position, but uh, you know again the initial burst not all that all that flashy doesn't always sink his hips into his cuts but that straight line speed is so impressive that i think he's a guy that could be taken on uh, you know in the third round and if the patriots don't take Dawson Knox then here's a name to keep an eye out for Kahale Waring out of uh, San Diego State 65 252 pound junior you know this was a guy who i, I believe played water polo in, in high school and ultimately picked up uh, picked up football uh, played in just two games as a freshman, eight games as a as a sophomore, and, and just nine games as a as a junior. 
Um, but uh, tremendously athletic. Um, look, San Diego State, the Aztecs, they didn't throw the ball much. So he only has 51 receptions, 637 yards, eight touchdowns. But he's that, that sleeper, that deep sleeper that nobody's really talking about. He shows up at the combine, runs a 4.6740, 36.5-inch vertical leap, and uh, put on a show. You know, shows that he can run routes, shows that he does have tremendous hands. And uh, somebody who I think, you know, still new to the position, still new to the game of football, really. And uh, a guy who I think is going to continue to develop and is that sleeper. Um, you know, and look, San Diego State running the football, you know he knows how to block. And uh, I think he could end up being a Bill Belichick guy as well. Now, number seven on my list is Josh Oliver out of San, San Jose State. Um, so from San Diego State to San Jose State, so moving from Southern California to, to the to the Bay, and uh, 6'5", 249 pounds, another excellent receiver, tremendously athletic, 56 receptions, 709 yards, four touchdowns a season ago, um, ran a 4'6", 340, 22 uh, reps in the bench press um, at 225, and 34-inch uh, vertical leap, very athletic, as I said, works the sideline pretty well. Um, didn't get, you know, wasn't asked to get all, you know, very vertical there for the Spartans. So he's going to, you know, the, the route running is something that I think he's going to need to get some polish with, uh, needs to improve a little bit in the, um, you know, the blocking category, but, uh, I think he could be the, the highest drafted Spartan since, uh, Tyler Irvin was taken just a few years ago. Um, you know, and I, I think that's actually the first Spartan, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, uh, Tyler Irvin was drafted by, um, I want to say it was drafted by Houston. Yeah, it was drafted by Houston in the fourth round in, in 2016. He could be the highest, um, you know, highest ranked, uh, Spartan to come off the board, uh, since then. And uh, I think again, might be the first Spartan taken if you're looking for another sleeper and a guy that, you know, that's the thing with some of these tight ends, you know, a guy who really wasn't asked to, to catch much, uh, catch the football very much. And, and we talked about George Kittle, look at Foster Moreau, 6'4", 253 pounds, 253 pounds, 52 receptions, 629 yards, six touchdowns known more for his blocking. This was a guy who, you know, I thought as an inline blocker did a tremendous job, and I was really under the impression that this guy was going to be that blocking tight end, a la Richard Rodgers, taken in the third or fourth round. But you know, he surprised me with his hands um, at, at the Senior Bowl and at the Combine. Surprised me with some athleticism as well. I was expecting him to run probably in the four eight range. Ran a four six six. You know, showed pretty good, um, you know, uh, explosion as well with a 36 and a half inch vertical leap, bench press 225, 22 times. So he's a much better and much twitchier athlete than I think anyone was really expecting. And you allow him to thrive in an offense, um, actually asked to catch the football a little bit more like George Kittle, and you may have something here. I think he can come off the board anywhere between the third and fifth round, and um, you may have something. Now, Caden Smith out of Stanford is number nine on my list, 6'5", 255 pounds, the junior um, in two seasons with the with the Cardinals, 70 receptions, over 1,000 yards, and seven touchdowns. Um, you know, this is a guy who I, I don't think gets a ton of separation. I mean, as evidenced by the, the 4'9", 240, um, you know, not the most explosive athlete, but a guy... Even It didn't matter if, if there was a, a linebacker or a safety right there on his hip. 
he's going to get some late separation, extend those arms, and then elevate, go over you and make the reception. I mean, you saw that time and time again. Uh, excellent body control, the way his ability to contort his body. Um, you know, I, I remember JJ uh, Jeremy Shockey, the way that he used to attack the seam and elevate and go up and over defenders to make you know these leaping catches up the seam. And that's exactly what Caden Smith is able to do. Um, you know, another you know tight end coming out of Stanford, so he knows how to block. Very physical. Um, surprisingly, only. Um, put up 15 reps at, at 225 in the bench press. Um, thought he'd be a lot stronger than that. Um, you know, and, and the thing with with Caden is, um, you know, he's he's somebody who, again, you know, he's he's going to be a work, workmanlike guy. He's not going to be the most flashy, um, but a guy who I think can help an NFL roster. Number 10, Caleb Wilson. I, I think Caleb Wilson may not be the number 10 tight end taken in the draft. Because of his athleticism, ran a four five six forty, um, and and a season ago, sixty receptions, nine hundred sixty five yards, and four touchdowns, sixteen point one yard per catch average. Tremendous athlete, tremendous receiver. A guy who can line up all over the field. You know, when you look at his body size, you know his his body type, six four, two hundred forty pounds, very similar to Evan Engram. You know, the the issue with it is 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 you know I think some of that bot you know the the bot the ball security. Um, you know, is, is an issue, um, easily got, you know, can get the ball punched out, um, tremendous after the catch, but you know, not much of a blocker. Um, so that's really going to be the issue there for Caleb Wilson. I've got him down on my list just because, you know, he's kind of a glorified wide receiver, you know, at at this point, you know, in terms of where he's at, I think he's going to have to work on his game to really be a complete tight end. But a team that's looking for a guy who can stretch some defenses, create some mismatches, um, I think Caleb Wilson's going to be valuable. But I think he's probably going to be a fourth or fifth round pick. I think that'd probably be the best value if I'm going to, you know, um, go for him. Um, I, I just, I, I don't think, you know, I, I think if you were to draft him on day two, you'd be reaching a little bit. Number eleven on my list, Dax Raymond, one of my favorite tight ends, six five, two hundred fifty five pounds out of Utah. Um, you know, just 72 receptions, 873 yards and three touchdowns in his three seasons with, uh, the Utah state Aggies, um, ran a four, seven, three 40 at the combine, but you know, you want to talk about a guy, you know, we're talking about some of the blocking tight ends and this is a guy who can absolutely just maul you to death. You know, if, if runs to the outside, he's taking his man and, and driving him all the way to the sideline, you know, just absolutely can, can control his man at the point of attack and uh, the leg drive and, and able to sustain those blocks to the whistle. Um, a guy who works tremendously hard, not the best athlete in the world, um, but, you know, excellent hands and, uh, you know, was really a, a weapon there uh, for, for Utah State in the passing game. Um, Drew Sample out of Washington. You know, I, I, I was comparing him to, to Will Disley. And uh, Will Disley, 21 receptions, 289 yards, two touchdowns. In his senior season, Drew Sample, 25 receptions, 252 yards, and three touchdowns. Sounds pretty similar, you know, in terms of the production. And, and the thing with it was, was Will Disley definitely looked at as a as a blocking tight end, but a guy who really burst onto the scene over 100 yards receiving um, week one for Seattle, but ultimately the torn patellar tendon cut his season short. I'm looking at Drew Sample, another guy who was really thought of as a blocking tight end. 
um, but showed off some pretty decent athleticism. 6'5", 255 pounds, ran a 4'7", 140 at the combine, 33.5-inch vertical leap. Um, so I think he's another mid-round tight end in this draft. Um, you know, we've got more. Gosh, it keeps on coming. C.J. Uh, Conrad out of Kentucky, 6'4", 249 pounds. Uh, didn't run the 40 at the at the combine, but uh, it ran a 4'7 at his pro day. Uh, put up uh, 225, 21 times in the bench press. You know, a guy who... Saw action all four years uh, with the Wildcats, 80 total receptions, over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns in his career. A guy who's, I think, a, a pretty solid blocker. I think the question was, you know, just how athletic he was. Um, you know, he's battled some injuries, so there are some some concerns from a durability standpoint. Um, you know, the, the first time he played in 12 games in his career was 2018. So, you know, you have that to, to really be concerned about, but uh, a guy who I think um, is going to be a late round selection for a team. Um, you know, then there's Alizé Mack, you know, played in just six games in each of his first two seasons for the fighting Irish uh, of Notre Dame uh, as a junior, 36 receptions, 360 yards, three touchdowns, ran a four, seven at the combine, uh, 36 inch vertical leap, a guy who I think can be a weapon on the outside, also up the seam. Um, but again, durability, you know, what's that, what's that going to look like for him? And then one final guy to, to talk about, and that's Tommy Sweeney out of Boston college, six, four, 251 pounds, very physical. Um, you know, I, I think, He's a, a guy, when you think of Boston College, you think of Steve Adazio and uh, just the physicality there. And uh, Tommy Sweeney definitely fits that bill. Not the best athlete. You know, ran a 4.8340 at the Combine. He, he looks pretty stiff in his route running and everything, but a guy who is a tremendous blocker and a guy who I, I think I look, I think of a Jeff Swaim or a, a Ben Koyak you know, I, I think Tommy Sweeney is going to end up getting drafted probably in the sixth or seventh round, but he's going to make an NFL roster because he's such a good blocker. And, uh, you know, Jeff Swaim you know, just got signed recently. And, and you look at Ben Koyak, I, they're both with the Jaguars. Um, I, I think Tommy Sweeney is going to be the next guy, um, you know, to fit that mold that's going to get drafted here uh, at the end of day three. So that's the tight end position. Um you know, I just gave you uh, 15 tight ends that could be drafted in in this year's draft, and uh, you know, if that were to happen, you know, then we would tie the the total there from 2018. Um, so, you know, I, I think we're right right in in that wheelhouse there for for this year's draft. So, talked about then transitioning to the offensive line, get in there with the hog mollies as uh, Trey Wingo of ESPN likes to call them. And uh, look, offensive line, you know, if, if we look at this, and we go back um, you know, since 2011, you know, the, the player, the offensive lineman taken in the first half of the first round, you know, Tyron Smith in 2011, Matt Khalil in 2012, Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel, Lane Johnson um, taking in the first four picks in, in 2013. Greg Robinson, uh, Jake Matthews um, taking second and sixth overall in 2014 with Taylor Lewan at number 11. No tight ends taken um, in the, um, I'm sorry, no offensive linemen taken in the top half of the first round in 20, in, I'm sorry, the top 10 in 2015. Andrus Pete, Cedric Abwehi, DJ Humphreys taken there, 
2016, you had Ronnie Stanley, Jack Conklin taken six and eight. Um, and then Laramie Tunsil was taking number 13 overall. Um, only two tight ends taken in the first round in 2017. Um, and they were both taken, you know, at the end of the round. 2018, Mike McGlinchey, ninth overall to the 49ers. And then Colton Miller taken uh, number 15 by the Oakland Raiders. So when you look at that, you know, you kind of scratch your head just a little bit, you know, where the, where the offensive linemen have been recently and of, of late, you know, if we, we go back in, we take a look at, um, you know, the last five drafts, 2014, 23 offensive tackles taken five in the first round, three in the second round, four in the third. So that's 12 offensive linemen taken in the first two days. You know, and in addition to Robinson, Matthews, and Lawan, you had Zach Martin, Jawan James, also taken in round number one. Second round, a couple of uh, interior linemen um, that were considered tackles, Jack Muhort and uh, and Justin Britt. Third round, you get Mar- uh, Morgan Moses and a guard and, and Billy T- uh, Billy Turner. Seventh round, Chantrell Henderson. He he basically they, they took a flyer on him because of injury concerns, and he's actually developed into a decent pro. Bills resigned him uh, to a one-year deal. 2015, 18 offensive linemen. Now check this out. I said 23 in, in 2014. 2015, 18 offensive linemen. Or I'm sorry, offensive tackles. 2016, 18. 2017, another 15. And 2018, 19. So no more than 19 offensive linemen taken in the last four years. And, and you look at 2015, you had Pete, Abwehi, and, and, and Humphreys taken 13th, 21st, and 24th, uh, respectively. You had Donovan Smith, uh, Jake Fisher, Rob Havenstein, uh, Tyson Brylow, uh, J- uh, Jamon Brown, who actually you know is playing guard at the next level. So you know some, some serviceable guys, some guys that got some playing time. Um, in 2016... Just seven offensive linemen or offensive tackles taken in the first two rounds, uh, or sorry, first three rounds. Uh, so the first two days, you, know, you had, you know, in addition to Stanley and Conklin taken in the top ten, Laramie Tunsil, as I said, number thirteen overall, uh, Taylor Decker, number sixteen. Um, you know, and, and you know, late, you know, round number five, you had Kalen Benenock playing guard for. Uh, the Bucks now, Joe Haig playing, I believe, guard for uh, Indy. Brandon Shell um, is playing tackle, and and Halapuli uh, Body Vitae um, is uh, you know well documented as the backup right now for Jason Peters. Twenty seventeen, man, I mean the number just even you know decreases that much further. You know, really a. a, a a poor class, you know, just four offensive tackles taken in the first three rounds. You know, Garrett Bowles, Ryan Ramchek, Cam Robinson, all starters. Um, you did have Julian Davenport taken in the seventh, in the fourth round, and then Sam Tevy, um, you know, was a starter a season ago in the sixth. Twenty eighteen, you know, there was an improvement. Ten offensive tackles taken in the first. Uh, First three rounds, 19 overall. Um, you know, in addition to McGlinchey and Miller, you had Connor Williams taken in the second round. You know, playing guard for the for for uh, for Dallas. Brian O'Neill, you know, right tackle. You know, playing well. 
And then uh, Brandon Parker, Joseph Noboom, and uh, Orlando Zeus Brown Jr. Um, you know, they're taken in the third round. So when I look at this this draft class and, and we're talking about everything, you know, there's there's as many as I'd say as many as six offensive tackles. I think you're you're definitely going to see four, you know, with Jonah Williams, um, Jawan Taylor, Andre Dillard, and Cody Ford all taken in round number one. But there's a chance that you could see six, and you know, if that were to happen. You know, then you know you'd have you know that would mean that Greg Greg Little and Dalton uh, Dalton Reisner um, would also be taken. But you know when you're talking about that, that'd be the most um, offensive linemen selected in the first round since 2016, when they had five. And uh, you know, is the offensive line back? I think this is a much deeper draft class for um, offensive linemen. Yeah, 2013, we had had five taken in round number one. You know, I'm looking to see, did we actually have a draft, or when was the last time we had a draft where we had six linemen taken in round number one? Um, let's see. Hey, there we go, 2011. Six offensive linemen taken in the first round. That was the year of, of Tyron Smith, Nate Solder, Anthony Costanzo, James Carpenter wound up being a guard, uh, Gabe Creamy, Derek Sherrod. Um, so, you know, the first time in, in quite a while, you know, really that's what I want to kind of emphasize is you're going to see some teams taking tackles and probably taking them earlier in the draft um, because you know, we actually have a decent crop of, of offensive tackles. Now, my number one tackle probably won't be the number one tackle off the board. But uh, my number one tackle is Jonah Williams, a 6'4", 302-pound junior out of Alabama. Started all 44 games for, for the Tide. Uh, 15 at right tackle. And then after Cam Robinson um, left, started his final 29 games there at left tackle. Um, 90% blocking, um, you know, grade, graded out um, or higher in 14 of his 15 games this past season. 48 knockdown blocks. No sacks given up, just three pressures. Only given up 12 pressures in his career. You know, in, in 2017, um, at, at uh, you know two and a half sacks given up, uh, eight on 831, eight, I'm sorry, 831 pass snaps and just 10 missed assignments. All those stats, courtesy of uh, Pro Football Focus. Now here's the deal with with Jonah Williams. He's an absolute technician. A lot of people were concerned with his arm length, and yes, 33 and and five eighths inches. Not ideal in terms of our arm length, but you know he's a technician. He understands um, you know not only you know winning with technique, but with angles. Um, so fundamentally sound. Plays with excellent pad level, knee bend and balance. Um, footwork is tremendous. Never really seems to be out of control. Fires quickly out of his stance. Offers a very deep kick slide. Sets up that proper angle to beat the pass rusher to the edge. Feet are very quick. Short, choppy steps, allowing him to really slide with that defender effortlessly, change direction when he needs to. Tremendous leverage, patient with his hands. You don't see him wanting to, to punch way too quickly. You know, he's very patient, allows that, that defender to, to ma- start making their move, and then those hands pop out you know, and, and able to guide that, that defender away from the pocket. Um, you know, the hand placement, I think, is key. 
you know, keeping it under the defend, defensive end's pad level to easily control his man. Lateral agility allows him to make that power step to the inside to wall off an inside rush, then slide and get back outside to shut down a secondary move. Um, mirror skills are tremendous as well against the speed rushers, uh, keeping his butt down, bending at the knees. You saw that at the combine, the way that he was able to effortlessly, effortlessly slide in the mirror, mirror drill. Um, you know, a drive blocker in the run game generates really good movement with that leg drive, um, you know, absorbs that punch by the defender anchors against the bull rush as well. Um, you know, one of the things that I would say against Ole Miss, he locked up with Josiah Courtney, he's a 6'4", 316 pound defensive tackle and drove him four yards into the end zone, you know, on a goal line play, um, agile enough to climb to the, to the second level, um, just a, a tremendous athlete, um, Will his lack of length get exploited by edge rushers with longer arms? Well, you know, if you watched Williams take on Cleveland Farrell, I'm sorry, Cleveland Furl in the in the national championship game, that, that, that matchup was really a lot of fun to watch. Now, Furl did beat Williams a couple of times with his length, uh, even jacked him back and thrown him threw him down on one occasion. But when when Williams was patient, when when he, he really stuck to those superior movement skills, he was able to really neutralize Furl and just ride him away from the pocket, made it look easy. Um, now the comparisons, Joe Thomas, 32 and a half inch arms, um, not quite as big as him, but you know, the, the arm length is, is similar. Now it's not on the same level as Joe Thomas, but I just want to compare when you're talking about the arm length and can he play tackle? He's a lot like Joe Thomas. He's a lot like him, you know, in, uh, almost 6,700 pass snaps for Joe Thomas gave up just 30 sacks in his 11-year career. That's why he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm not saying that Jonah Williams is a first ballot Hall of Famer, but what I am saying is I see a lot of Joe Thomas in the way that Jonah Williams plays. So don't give me this about his arm length being, um, you know, too short for the offensive tackle position. I think that's that you know we we can't be talking about that anymore, especially when you're watching Jonah Williams play. And uh, if you watch him against Cleveland Furl. Um, he understands, you know, angles. He understands how to play, you know, despite his short shortcomings, much like Joe Thomas did. Josiah, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jonah Williams. I've got him going number nine overall to the Bills. I think he'll be an instant starter. You can plug him in at either left or right tackle because he's played both for the Tide. Um, but I think you can plug him in at left tackle, allow Deion Dawkins to kick over to the right side, and uh, you know that's an immediate upgrade on their offensive line. Um, Absolutely. So number two on my list is going to be the first tackle taken. You know, I'm just saying that now Jacksonville Jaguars are likely going to take uh, Florida's uh, Jawan Taylor, the 6'5", 312-pound junior, a three-year starter there in Florida. Now, when he showed up, 380 pounds, told by the Florida coaching staff, hey, you, you've got to lose weight before we offer you a scholarship. Um, weighs in at three 347. And, uh, you know, ultimately able to sign that letter of intent. You know, started 12 games as a true freshman, freshman All-America honors, and uh, then goes on to start 23 of his final 24 games in a Gator uniform. Um, You know, so very durable at the right tackle position. Very big, powerful at the point of attack, accelerating into his man off the ball. I think that's one of the things you see. You really see him roll those hips into the block and the power with his hands just pops. You know, you hear the pads pop, you know, when, when his hands... Um, get right underneath uh, the pad level and, and you really hear it. You know, drives that man off balance. Once he gets him moving backwards, that strong lower body generates a lot of movement. 
Um, plays with a mean streak. He's looking to finish you. He's looking to sustain his blocks to the whistle. Um, really plays under control when he's climbing to the next level as well. Um, prototypical old school right tackle in a sense, I think, you know, because he's looking to really punish you in the running game. I think he struggles at time with pass protection with his, his foot speed, uh, tends to overset at times, which will leave him susceptible to an inside rush. Does have a hard time when a defender's uh, slanting across his face. Um, but, uh, you know, has has the required knee bend to be a pass rusher. Moves pretty well laterally as well. And if you watch Florida and Florida State play, um, you'd see Taylor really handling Brian Burns, especially with that patented spin move. Um, you know, just able to really pick that up, you know, really slide with him. Um, you know, he's, he's inconsistent at times, but... Uh, I'm looking at at Jawan Taylor. I think he's a perfect fit there. Um, you know, opposite Cam uh, Cam Robinson. Um, you know, again, just a big offensive lineman, 35 and, and, and an eighth inch arms, um, and a guy who I think can be a, a day one starter in the league. So we talked about a lot of tackles taken in the top ten. That's two already taken in the top ten, and then I've got Andre Dillard. Um, taken by um, Minnesota, number 18 overall. Now, Andre Dillard, 6'5", 315 pounds, uh, played for, for Washington State. Um, you know, So an offensive tackle in a spread offense, uh, especially in Mike Leach offense, haven't seen guys go that high in the draft, but um, this is a guy, excellent footwork and pass protection, probably the best pure pass protector in this draft. Played in 42 games, 39 starts, one sack, on 677 pass uh, snaps in 2018, according to Pro Football Focus. Pro Football Focus noted you know, 94 pa- uh, pass protection grade. That was the highest for any starting offensive tackle. Um, you know, so the, the footwork, I think, is, is really what, what you see. You know, and you know, the fact that he had 39 consecutive starts to finish career really was that, that fixture in that air raid offense in the Palouse. So quick off the ball, smooth with that kick slide, easily beating the speed rushers to the edge. Natural knee bender, plays with a wide base, keeps the keeps his balance uh, very nimble to change directions, uh, keeps the man in front of him on the counter moves, active hands, pretty decent punch as well. Um, just a, a tremendous athlete. Um... I think in the running game does a pretty good job, especially with his hips getting around to to seal uh, seal his man off to allow the running back to cut off his block. Um, I think he's athletic, climbing to the second level. Not the most powerful guy, um, you know. D- uh, you know, I think especially in space, he he struggles with locating his man and, and making contact. Um, you know, I, I think he's more of, of a finesse guy. Really want to see more power out of him um, to really be a complete tackle. That's why I don't have him going in the top ten. But um, you know, definitely an excellent pass protector, one of those finesse guys. But a guy who I think can be a day one starter. And if the Vikings have him at left tackle, and you've got you know Brian O'Neill sitting there at right tackle, and guess what? You can kick Riley Reef into uh, inside to guard, and uh, I think you've got an upgrade there on your offensive line instantly at a couple of positions. Andre Dillard, by the way, ran a four nine six forty. One of just uh, five offensive linemen to do that in this year's combine, and uh, you know, tremendous athlete. Number four, Cody Ford. You know, it's played in twenty nine games for the Sooners, twenty one starts in twenty eighteen. Just to give you an idea, seven pressures and no sacks until the playoffs. You know, gave up a sack in the playoffs, but 
you know, just seven seven pressures, zero sacks. You know, I, I think that speaks to you know his ability. I think he can play right tackle at the next level. Um, you know, started as guard there for the Sooners, and really a lot of the way that he plays. You, you look at him. You know, he's six four, three hundred twenty nine pounds. Looks like he might be a a uh, a guard at the next level. I think his footwork. You know, he does struggle sometimes with um, with some of the speed. Lateral agility is is not what you would expect out of out of a right tackle. Um, but you know, he, he's somebody, once he gets his hands on you, he locks in on that block and he's not letting go. Um, just a rare blend of size and, and, and quickness, um, that you want to see out of, out of a offensive tackle. Um, you know, very heavy handed, jolts those defenders, keeps them off balance, very good hand placement, rarely missing his strike inside, um, once he locks onto you, like I said, very very physical, drives his man down the field. That leg drive keeps going to the whistle. Now he's a na- nasty, nasty player, you know. And I've got him going to Houston because Houston needs. They have a need at guard. I think they have a need at tackle. Um, you know, they did sign, re-sign Chantrell Henderson, um, and they do have um, Julian Davenport at left tackle. They also. Um, went out and got Matt Khalil, but they have a, a, a hole at, at left guard, I think, with Senio uh, Calamante. Um, they could do better there. So Cody Ford, you bring him in, you can plug him in at guard or tackle, and he could be a starter right away. But here's the thing. He's going to change that mentality of that offensive line. He's going to bring that mean streak. He's going to you know play with some of that nastiness, something that they really need. They need that um, up front. And uh, again, you know, he struggles with some of his feet against the speed rushers. He's going to overset at times. Um, will get overextended as well. Get too far on his toes, causes him to get off balance and lean, um, which also allows him to, you know, that sustainability on his blocks can be in, inconsistent at times. But uh, look, he he understands how to block for a mobile mobile quarterback. He kept Baker Mayfield upright um, on the inside, and then as a as a tackle. Um, when Bobby Evans kicked over to the left side when Orlando Brown entered the league, he was able to block for Kyler Murray as well and keep Kyler Murray upright. So in Houston, if he goes there, he'd be blocking for Deshaun Watson. Makes a ton of sense. And uh, just that nastiness. You know, it reminds me a lot of Brandon Sheriff, a guy who was a right tackle. Uh, or I'm sorry, was a left tackle there at Iowa, ended up playing guard. I think Cody Ford could be that same type of player. Number five is Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State, 6'5", 312 pounds, uh, a three-time captain for for the Wildcats, fourth Big 12 offensive lineman uh, with three straight first-team All-Big 12 honors, started 50 of 51 games, um, and uh, you know was a starting center, freshman All-America there, then three years at right tackle, uh, just gave up three pressures in 2017 according to Pro Football Focus. This is a guy who, again, another technician, very technically sound, excellent balance and body control, plays the angles well, um, excellent hands. Um, he's just he's well coached. I think any guy coming out of a Bill Snyder offense, um, he reminds me a lot of Cody Whitehair, um, the, the fellow K-State alum who played all over the line, ultimately a center for the Bears. Reisner could end up playing inside. I think that's what everyone was expecting, but he proved that he could hold up at right tackle at the Senior Bowl. I think that really bodes well for his versatility at the next level. And if you're still not convinced, put on the Week 2 matchup, K-State against Mississippi State. Now, they lost 30-31-10, but Reisner had several reps against the more athletic Montez Sweat, who I have going number 8 overall to the Lions. 
more than held his own, showed his ability to use the angles and body control to ultimately square up Sweat, then used his strength and base to really anchor and hold his ground. Now, Sweat really only beat Reisner when the quarterbacks, you know, ultimately got uh, scrambled into the pass rush, but he has the ability to start right away. He's not flashy. He's not the best athlete. Ran a 5-3-40 at the combine, only a 28-and-a-half-inch vertical leap. Um, so he's not the best athlete, you know, but he's the guy who just gets the job done. I think he's going to start right away. Um, could really start at a number of positions and uh, be an effective starter. Number six, Greg Little out of Mississippi. 6'5", 310 pounds, the junior. Here, here's the deal. He, he, he looks the part. I think he looks like a prototypical offensive tackle, 35 and a quarter inch arms, um, you know, he, he started his final 24 games of his career. Excellent hip flexibility, natural knee blend, uh, knee bender, uh, keeps a pretty low pad level, uh, gets good depth in his kick slide, lateral quickness to easily cut off the defensive end. Excellent hand placement. Um, very aware of the blitz. I think he does a good job there as well. Um, you know, and I've spoken about this before, but you know, head to head against Raekwon Davis, who was supposed to be in this year's draft, had a kind of a down year. Um, but Little proved to be way too quick for Davis, showed the athleticism to uh, and the foot speed to beat him to the edge, then the physicality to drive him into the ground. Here's the thing, though. With Little, you know, 993 pass snaps uh, over the last two years, 26 pressures, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. There is some inconsistency from him. He has the talent to be a first-round pick. I think he's going to end up probably going on day two. Um, but a, a guy who's a tremendous athlete, like I said, and... Uh, you know, I, I think if the Giants don't get a court or get a an offensive tackle in, in uh, round number one, they could be selecting Greg Little there uh, on day two, and you know because of some of that inconsistency, you can move him over on the right side, play opposite Nate Solder. Um, I think that'd be a nice pickup. Number seven on my list, I think this is a guy who's really underrated, and you know could potentially be number six. Uh, and that's Matt, Max Sharping out of Northern Illinois. Nobody's really talking about this guy. 6'6", 327 pounds. Started all 53 games for the Huskies. Played in all 998 snaps in 2018. Eight pressures on 469 pass snaps uh, per you know pro football focus. 92.2% pass grade uh, through the MAC championship game. Gave, a sack, uh, gave up a sack to A.J. Epinesa against Iowa. That was the first sack that he gave up since 2015. No sacks or pressures given up um, when he went up against Brian Burns as well. This is a guy who I don't think he's the you know tremendously you know tremendous with the foot speed um, necessarily, um, but a guy who just gets the job done. I think he's got tremendous upper body strength. Um, 27 you know reps in the bench press. Um, doesn't have the best arms in terms of the ideal length. You know 33 and 5 8 inch arms, but I thought very. Very athletic, um, you know, in terms of his kick slide, um, able to take the angles, and when you go up against a guy like Brian Burns, you have to have some foot speed. You have to be able to to change directions. You have to be able to stay low because otherwise he's going to he's going to take advantage of that. He's going to take a take advantage of a high pad level. He's going to take advantage of guys who, um, you know, poor hand placement. The hands get too wide. He's going to beat you. If you overset, he's going to beat you. And 
Max Sharping didn't allow that to happen. Now, he did get beat on the outside by A.J. Panessa, but this guy, technician, a guy who who's a knee bender, I think he could start right away in the league and play for a long time because he's just a smart kid um, and you know very durable and a, a guy who, again, not going to wow you with the athleticism necessarily, um, but a, a guy who just gets the job done, understands the angles. If he could just get some lower body strength, I think that's where, really where he struggles. You know, Brian Burns isn't going to outmuscle him, but some of the other defensive ends, if they're able to convert that speed to power, get a good bull rush on him, that's where he gets blown back off the ball. Um, so he's going to have to watch that just a little bit. Caleb McGarry, number eight uh, on the list, 6'7", 317 pounds. 47 starts in his in his career. The Morris Trophy winner for the best offensive lineman in the Pac-12, as voted by the opposing players. Um, I think he delivers a definite powerful punch at the point of attack. Really reminds me a lot of uh, of Rob Havenstein. True right tackle. Um, I think he understands what his deficiencies are. And he's very physical, out to maul you. Um, decent athlete, ran a 505-40 at the Combine. Um, but doesn't have the, the lateral quickness needed to to play left tackle. Um, but man, just so physical, so strong at the point of attack. He'll be a day two pick and, and be a guy that's going to be playing on the right side, probably start right away. Titus Howard out of Alabama State, 6'5", 322 pounds. Um, played against Auburn, and, and Pro Football Focus pointed this out. Um, 38 pass block snaps with zero pressures against Auburn. Um, so when you're talking about how does he compare, um, you know, to some of the the FBS level, you know, I, I thought that definitely speaks to you know what he was able to do against the likes of, um, you know, uh, you know some of the the pass rushers there for for Auburn, you know, Marlon Davidson and, and company, uh, Nick Coe there on the outside as well. Ran a five hundred five forty, decent. Uh, um, Decent athleticism, 34-inch arms, huge hands, 10 and 5-8-inch arms, um, you know, pretty athletic, um, you know, and uh, I thought he more than held his own at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, in the one-on-one drills, he seemed to dominate at times, um, only gave up one sack in 2017. Um, so he's definitely an ascending prospect and a guy to watch out for. Number 10 on the list, Yadni Kajust, 6'5", 312 pounds. Um, you know, an 885 pass block snaps, 25 pressures in the last two years. Uh, thank you, Pro Football Focus, for that. Started 30 of 31 games. Um, you know, excellent length. You know, a guy who I think, you know, the footwork is questionable at times. The pad levels is questionable at times, but very physical at the point of attack. I think ultimately I, I could see him kicking inside to guard or potentially right tackle. Uh, but he's also dealing with a torn quad, so that could affect his draft stock a little bit. Um, opening the door for guys like Chuma Adoga out of USC. Um, you know, now not ideal size for a tackle, 6'3, 308 pounds. But again, remember Isaiah Wynn taken last year um, at six foot two. Now Chuma Adoga, you know, excellent arm length, 34 and three quarters inch arms, despite just being six foot three. Gave up only four pressures in, in 2018. Therefore, for the Trojans, um, their most consistent offensive lineman for sure. Um, I think his biggest issue is is he's got to make sure that he doesn't get complacent. He's got to make sure that uh, he doesn't create any penalties, any dumb penalties or anything like that. Um, you know, Bobby Evans out of Oklahoma, six six four, 312 pounds. Um, you know, a guy who's playing on both sides of the line um, at left tackle, 20 pressures, 
given up. So he's someone who I think of of the offensive linemen there at o, OU, he was the one that struggled probably the most with some of the speed um, speed rushers that are lining up over him. But definitely a, a savvy veteran. You know, played in three seasons there at OU as a junior coming out, um, but somebody who I think could end up potentially being taken there in uh, in the third round. Now, you know, Joshua uh, Nijman, you know, he's 6'7", 324 pounds for the Hokies. Um, thought he played very well against Brian Burns. You know, he's I, I th- you know still raw, but I think he'd be a good mid-round selection. 32 starts in his career. Yes, he missed five games to injury in 2017 and another three games to injury in 2018. So the durability is a concern. Ran a 4.83 um, at his pro day. Bench press uh, 225, 27 times with 34-inch arms. So that's pretty impressive. Um, and then the 81.7-inch wingspan. You know, and I think that's really where he uh, he was able to excel against Brian Burns, using that length to his advantage. And ultimately, Brian Burns wreaked havoc against the left tackle. But he just he couldn't get it done against Nijman, so he had to move to the left side, moved over to the other side, and that's really where you saw him dominate. But uh, I think he's a guy that people aren't really talking about and, uh, you know, raw guy, I think he's going to need some time to develop, but a guy to keep an eye on. Um, William Sweet out of Northern, uh, North Carolina, 6'6", 313 pounds. Another guy from a durability standpoint, tore his knee in 2017, just 14 starts to his under his belt, but 71 knockdown blocks a season ago. Um, Isaiah Prince out of Ohio State, 6'6", 305 um, you know, 509.40. So I think his straight line speed is, is pretty decent. But when you watch him laterally, the his kick slide and just his lateral movement, just way the, the steps are way too way too big. Um, you know, you want the short, choppy steps because if you're taking these big, long, elongated steps, you know, it, it's it's slowing you down. And uh, that's one of the things that you saw. I thought he got beat. You know, really inconsistent tape in uh, in 2018. Uh, if you put on the Purdue tape, you know, I thought he was getting beat left and right. Um, another guy who I think, you know, from a, you know, he, he was very highly rated in terms of uh, you know, being a two-time All-American, multiple ACC Jacobs blocking trophy uh, winner, definitely durable, three over 3,754 snaps in 58 games, 57 starts for Clemson. Uh, and that's Mitch Hyatt, 6'5", 300, uh, 303 pounds, um, and here, here's the deal, you know, with, with Mitch, you know, I, I think he, um, not a natural knee bender. I think he's pretty stiff, um, leans a lot, gets over, you know, over his toes. I thought he was much better in 2018. If you put on the 2017 tape, very disappointing in my eyes, I thought he got a lot better in 2018. That's why he did receive some all American honors. Um, but you know, I, I'm concerned about the foot speed. I'm concerned about, uh, you know, his, his stiffness, um, and he's somebody who I think is probably going to get drafted higher than he probably should. Um, you know, you've got Oli Udo, you know, 45 starts there at Elon, 6'5", 323 pounds, 35 and 3 eighths inch arms, you know, 50540 uh, at the combine. Could be a late, late uh, draft pick and a guy who is very intriguing there at the offensive tackle position. Um, so giving you a, a guy to keep an eye out for at one of the smaller schools. So we still have the offensive guard and off uh, uh, and the pivot uh, positions to talk about. So interior linemen. So the offensive guard, 15 true guards uh, taken in the first round since 2011. And 
in 2011, you know, there were there were two. Um, Mike Pouncey taking number 15 overall. Um, let's see. In 2012, we had two. 2013, there were three with uh, Jonathan Cooper taking number seven. Chance Warmack taking number 10. We're not going to see any guards taken that high in this year's draft. Um, you know, in, in 2015, Brandon Sheriff taking number five overall. Eric Flowers taking number nine overall. Um, so we're not going to see anything like that. You know, Quentin Nelson last year, number six overall. You're not you're not going to to see that that in, in this draft, but you are going to see someone taken in the first round at the guard position. So in the last five years, you know, when we talk about guards, um, you know, 2014. 13 guards taken, none in the first round, uh, but there were seven on, uh, you know, in the first, I'm sorry, on day two. Um, that was Xavier Suofilo, Joel Petonio in the second round, Gabe Jackson, Trey Turner taken in, in the third, uh, John Jalapio, um, a six-round pick. You know, he's, he's now the center for the Giants, um, so he, he's had some staying power there in the league. 2015, a big year for, for the guard position. Um, you know, 21 total taken, uh, seven in the first three rounds, Sheriff Flowers, and then Lakin Tomlinson taken in round number one, Mitch Morse ultimately playing center. Uh, he was number 49 overall in the second round taken by the Chiefs, uh, AJ Can in the third, um, Mark Lewinsky, John Miller, um, Daryl, uh, Daryl Williams wound up playing tackle. Uh, he was taken in the fourth round and then Bobby, Bobby Hart, everyone thought he was going to be a guard, wound up playing tackle, ultimately getting re-signed by the Bengals here. Um, so kind of outplayed things a little bit there. 2016, um, 17 taken overall, um, two in the first round, and that was Josh Garnett and Jermaine Effetti. Uh, second round was really where you saw the you know, a lot of depth. Uh, Nick Martin, Cody Whitehair, Joe Tooney, um, Isaac Sumalo, um, you know, all taken there. I, I thought that was a good draft at the at the top, a lot of different guys that were taken there, um, you know, and, and you know those guys are still making an impact um, for their respective teams. Twenty seventeen, just twelve offensive tackles taken, and nine in, in twenty eighteen. Um, twenty seventeen, you know, we saw Forrest Lamp, Deion Dawkins now playing tackle, Taylor Moten also playing tackle, taken in round number two. Um, Dan Feeney, jury's still out with him there in the third round uh, by the Chargers. Really, Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney, um, you know, bothered by injuries, really kind of slowing their development there at the next level. Now, 2018, obviously, you had Quentin Nelson, the guy, you know, the the standard now for all all offensive guard prospects. Um, Isaiah Wynn was penciled in as a guard, but he's probably going to play tackle there for for the Patriots. Round number two, Will Hernandez, Braden Smith, um, two guys who I think are going to be mainstays on on their offensive lines for for the Giants and Colts respectively and then after that you really didn't see you know you saw one guy taken in round number five that was Wyatt Teller to the Bills three taken in in the sixth round one in the seventh so not a whole lot of guards taken but uh, I got let's see I've got about 13, 14, uh, really 15 guys that could potentially get drafted here in the draft it's going to start with Chris Lindstrom though over 800 snaps and uh, just four pressures given up. 
Um, played in 50 consecutive games, 48 game starter. Um, played guard three out of his four years, but in 2017 played off offensive tackle and was Boston College's highest rated offensive lineman. 6'4", 308 pounds. Um, I think he's the most athletic offensive lineman eligible in this draft, or one of the most athletic eligible uh, linemen and possibly the, the most athletic interior lineman, although uh, Garrett Bradbury might might uh, have an argument there. Fires so quickly out of his stance, a natural knee bender. The lateral quickness um, is, is evident. He slides with this man, does an excellent job there. Um, makes quick work of his defenders on reach blocks, gets out in a hurry. Um, he's agile to climb to the second level, very under control, and, and lines up his defender in space. Movement skills laterally allow him to plug gaps and pass protection, and uh, he also has the awareness to take uh, take care of some stunts and some twists as well. Uh, I think he offers a very compact punch at the point of attack. Um, you know, gets his hands under the man's pad level, can dry, uh, control him really at that point. Leverage and balance also allow him to control his man to the whistle. Um, I think where he lacks, you know, uh, a little bit is, is some of the strength required to sustain blocks. I think that's one of the things that I see. I think he'll he'll lean into his blocks some uh, to try to generate some of that movement and he'll lose his blocks. He'll, you know, the guys will slip blocks as a result of that. But uh, another one of the offensive linemen who ran a sub five, ran a four, nine, one forty at the combine. Um, you know, and I think if he can continue to, to keep that technique and not, you know, overextend himself or, or get caught leaning on his toes, uh, Chris Lindstrom could end up, you know, I think he has pro bowl potential, um, a starter day one. I got him penciled in, to the Titans at number 19, um, taking the place of, uh, of Josh Klein, who uh, has moved on. Number two, my, how about Michael Dieter out of Wisconsin? 6'4", 309 pounds. Uh, Michael Dieter started a uh, school record 54 games for the Wisconsin Badgers, played all over their offensive line, right? So started his career between center and left guard for two seasons before starting his entire junior season at left tackle, moved back to left guard for a senior season. Um, so in all total, if you're keeping keeping score, 24 games started at left guard, 16 at center, 14 at left tackle. Obviously, versatility is, is huge for him. Um, you know, physical at the point of attack, looking to overpower you, finishes his man in the running game, down blocks, create a bit of space, uh, powerful leg drive as well, struggle with speed rushers uh, as a left tackle, so that's why I think he's going to be best suited inside where that lateral movement can be more limited and allowing it to anchor a little bit more. Uh, very physical, like I said, at the point of attack. Um, number three is Connor McGovern. Um, 15 pressures on 494 snaps. Uh, this past season, um, another versatile uh, offensive lineman, played guard in 2016 and 2018, um, was a center in 2017. So that versatility play, can play all along the interior of, of the offensive line. Um, and again, pro football focus, bringing those stats to you. Um, you know, McGovern is somebody who is is very stout at the point of attack. Um, you know, a, a guy who is a three-year starter and... Good size, good bulk. I think he has adequate movement skills, can move pretty pretty well laterally, um, pretty effective in the ground game. Um, when he plays with good leverage, he can anchor against the bull rush as well. Um, will get caught. Another guy who gets caught leaning will tend to overset at times too. 
Um, and struggles laterally in pass protection. I think what you're going to see here, he, he is going to start right away at, you know, for a, a franchise. And, uh, you know, I think the grip strength, I think the, you know, the, the balance, the, um, just the, the overall strength, the point of attack, uh, is going to be evident. You know, I, I think it's all about power with him and, uh, he'll be dominant in the running game at times. I think he's going to struggle at times in, in pass protection until he can really shore up some of the technique and his, and his lateral agility. Now, in terms of physicality, number four on my list, Drew Samia out of Oklahoma, 6'5", 305 pounds. No question that this guy's one of the more physical, one of the nastier guys in this draft. Um, you know, a, a guy who you're going to see him fight, um, you know, fight guys. You know, he's he's uh, he got ejected from his uh, um, the last game of the season, his junior year. Uh, the team, basically the uh, Mountaineers of West Virginia, were were trying to get under Baker Mayfield's skin, and uh, it didn't really happen. But Drew Samia ultimately took offense to it, and uh, you know, really, uh, you know, kind of took it to. Um, I think it was Adam Schuler, the, the defensive end, and uh, ultimately got ejected for it. Um, very nasty, though, at the point of attack. A guy who I think can be a mauler in the running game. And look, he kept Kyler Murray upright. And he's blocked for, for Baker Mayfield as well. Um, so, you know, the, the mobile quarterback, he does just fine with that. Um, you know, in terms of his length, you know, lacks ideal length, just 33-inch arms. Um, not the not the most not the quickest guy not the you know fleetest of foot, um, but a guy who again you know he's he's going to get nasty with you and uh, I think it, that makes him a lot of fun to watch. Now uh, number five, Nate Davis. You know six three two hundred and sixteen pounds. Um, he was a tackle at Charlotte and, and gave up just uh, four pressures on two hundred thirty four pass um, pass snaps. And I think he's going to end up being a guard at the next level. One of the things that you really saw that stood out, especially at the Senior Bowl, I mean, this guy gets low. I mean, there's there, there's got you know there's a low stance. You know, you see those some of those inside linebackers like Chris Borland used to get real low in his stance, but you don't see an offensive lineman getting as low as he does. Um, and, and he really wins with leverage. Uh, another guy who's very strong at the point of attack. Um, a guy who's going to drive into you. Um, you know. Lacks ideal length, you know, with 33-inch arms, but the hands, again, you know, 10 and, and, a qu- and an eighth-inch hands. I'm sorry, that's Drusamia. Holy cow. I didn't realize that Drusamia, you know, there's, you know, the, the grip strength there, but, um, you know, I think Nate Davis is kind of the same way. Uh, a, a guy who's going to be so strong at the point of attack, can drive you off the ball, and uh, has some pretty decent movement skills laterally. Um, you know, ran a, a 5 2 three, 40 at the Combine. Uh, and just a 26-inch vertical leap. So the explosiveness not necessarily there to be that left left tackle like he was for uh, for the uh, for Charlotte, but uh, you know a guy who I think can be definitely effective inside at guard. Um, number six, um, Yalte Froholt out of out of uh, Arkansas, 6'5", 306 pounds, one of the better pass protectors. Gave up just five pressures a season ago. Um, a, a guy who, you know, I thought he held up well against even, you know, teams like Alabama um, and, and their pass rush, the vaunted pass rush. You know, a guy who just understands, you know, angles. Um, 
has good, really good size, you know, at 6'5 and 305 pounds for the uh, for the guard position. Um, you know, a, a guy who you know can get beaten laterally, but you know utilizes his his length to his advantage and really can get things rolling in the running game. Uh, number seven, speaking of guys who are powerful at the point of attack, and a guy who I think is rising up draft boards and could potentially be a top five guard in this draft. Remember this name, Phil Haynes out of Wake Forest, 6'4", 322 pounds. This is a guy who was a four-year starter for the Demon Deacons, um, you know, 33 and a half inch arms, ran a 5'2", 40 at the combine, bench pressed, um, you know, 225, 33 times, a 31-inch vertical leap. So there's some explosiveness out of this guy. I think he does a good job getting to the the, the, the second level um in the ground game, but you know his his job. You know he's a guy who's going to be very physical at the point of attack. A guy who can sustain his his blocks. A guy who, um, you know, I, I think has has pretty good hips. Um, you know, and and plays with excellent leverage. He's going to be a guy who I think could end up starting day one is and could end up being one of the better guards in this draft when it's all said and done. Number eight, Ryan Bates out of Penn State, six four, three hundred six pounds. A junior was a tackle. But uh, just 32 and a half inch arms, um, 505, 509.40 at the combine. I, I think ultimately Ryan Bates is going to move inside to guard. I think that's really where he's going to excel. And uh, yeah, you know, he's got the versatility, can kick outside to, to tackle in a pinch, but I think that's ultimately going to be his home is at guard. Um, Dion Calhoun or Shaq Calhoun, uh, six, five, or, I'm sorry, 6'2. 310 pounds, you know, lacks some ideal uh, length. Um, 507.40 at the combine, though. And, and he was one of the guys, he and, and Elton uh, Jenkins there at the center position. You know, these were two guys that uh, really allowed Nick Fitzgerald to run the football up the middle. Guys who really got, got on their man, seal their man off, get, you know, pretty quick hips, getting around and, and sealing the guy off. Um, I thought he did a decent job climbing to the next level. More athletic than I think people give him credit for. And one of the more underrated guards in this year's draft. Ben Powers at Oklahoma, 6'4", 307 pounds, 21 pressures on, uh, 1,117, I'm sorry, 1,177 snaps in three three seasons, according to Pro Football Focus. 6'4", 307 pounds, not the best athlete, and I think of the... OU linemen, um, I, I think he and, and Bobby Evans are probably going to be the two that are going to be taken last. Um, but a guy who I think can end up being a serviceable starter at the next level. Another guy who is a convert, going to be a converted tackle, and I think he's a lot better than people are giving him credit for, and that's Trevin Tate. 6'2", 306 pounds, um, 32 and, and 3 eighths inch arms, You know, not, not ideal arm length, um, just 10 pressures. At the left tackle position for the Memphis Tigers, here's the thing: he was the oftentimes a lead blocker for Daryl Daryl Henderson on the outside, and he was somebody who would get out and uh, some of the reach blocks that you'd see for him. Um, he would get out and ultimately just drive a guy um, all the way to the sideline and would just generate these gaping holes, um, you know, on a kickout block as well. These gaping holes for, for Daryl Henderson and, and Patrick Taylor and, and Tony Pollard to run the football. One of the better run blockers that you saw. And I, I thought that was one of the things for me, because he doesn't have ideal length, you watch the way that he he was able to block in that run game. If you haven't watched him play, pull out some game tape, especially if you're looking to watch uh, Daryl Henderson. If you're running, running off that left tackle position, um, that, that's Trevin Tate. I think he's going to be a... a, a 
pretty darn good guard at the next level. I think he has starter potential. He'll probably end up um, being drafted in the sixth or seventh round, but he's one of my favorite guys in this draft um, and a guy just because he was a lot of fun to watch. You know, I thought he did did pretty well, moved pretty well in pass protection. Again, just 10 pressures um, th- this past season, but uh, it was a run game where I thought he really excelled. Um, Bo Benshaw out of Wisconsin, 6'6", 309 pounds. I think he's going to be a safe mid-round pick. Um, but the thing that I don't like about Bo Benchall is he gets too high with his pad level way too often, and that allows him to get blown back off the football. You know, when he stays low, he can be a force. He can really generate uh, movement, but at 6'6", um, you know, he does struggle with, with generating some of that movement at times because of the fact that you know, that pad level just creeps up on him and gets too high. Um, you know, the flexibility in his hips isn't necessarily there either, um, so that's something that... You know, I think he'll be a safe pick there in the mid rounds. But again, if he can't control that pad level, he won't last long at the next level. Um, number thirteen on my list is Derwin Gray out of Maryland. Uh, played left tackle for the the, the Terrapin, six four, three hundred twenty pounds, seventeen. Uh, I'm sorry, seven pressures in twenty eighteen. Um, you know, thirty four and three three eighths inch arms. So I mean, he's got excellent length um, for the for. Uh, an offensive lineman, but I just think he lacks the foot speed on the outside. He, when you look at him, his body type, you know, he's, he reminds me of Yadni Kajus with it as well. You look at him, their body type, they just scream offensive guard. They don't look like a tackle, um, you know, just in, in when you look at them. Um, they, they look more like like the guard. They have you know the big bubble butts that you're expecting out of the interior lineman, and uh, you know you don't see the the length necessarily. Um, and so I, I think his arm length is pretty good, but to me at the end of the day, I think Derwin Gray is going to be a guy that's going to kick inside. I think that's really where he's going to be at his best. Um, Weber State making the list. Uh, Suo Opeta, 6'4", 301 pounds, um, you know, ran a 50240 at the combine, 39 reps, uh, in the bench press at 225 pounds and a 33-inch vertical leap. Tremendous athlete, very strong, and uh, you know, pretty athletic as well. So I think he's going to get a chance, um, you know, be one of those FCS guys that can uh, make an NFL roster on the interior line. And then Fred Johnson out of Florida. When you watch Florida play, I thought the top two offensive linemen, no offense to Martez Ivy on the, at left tackle, but I thought the two best, you know, clearly the right side. You know, if, if Florida was running right, if they had Michael P. Ryan or Jordan Scarlett running to the right, they're running off of uh, Juwan Taylor and, uh, and Fred Johnson. Now, Fred Johnson is huge. He's 6'7", 328 pounds, 34-inch arms, tremendous. I mean, his hand size is ridiculous. 10 and 5 eighths inch hands. Um, you know, so the grip strength is absolutely there. A guy who's very physical, the leg drive. Another guy who snaps into his blocks. Um I think he has a chance. I think if a team really wants to get physical up front, um, you can pick up a guy like Fred Johnson late in the draft, and uh, you know he he has a chance to to be one of those guys that can be physical at the point of attack and uh, you know help a help a team out up front. Now, finally, the center position, the pivot, you know, and and this is a position. You'll, you'll see, you know, last year we really saw, you know, an influx of, of centers um, in, in the draft. 
Um, when you're talking about the first round, 12 since uh, 12 centers taken since 1999, five since 2013. So when you think about that, um, you know, since 2013, you know, the, the value of getting a good center um, has definitely increased quite a bit. Um, now, in 2014, just nine centers taken, none in the first round. But here are some names that you'll recognize. Uh, Weston Richburg in the second, Travis Swanson in the third, um, you know, Russell Bodine um, in the fourth round, Corey Lindsley starting there for the Packers in round number five. Uh, Matt Paradis got a nice contract, um, you know, uh, for the from the Panthers. You know, he was taken in the sixth round. Uh, 2015, we have one center taken in round number one, Cam Irving, now playing at guard for for the Chiefs. Um, Ali Marpet, you know, uh, Tampa took him in the second round. Shaq Mason playing guard for the uh, for the the Patriots, he was selected in the fourth round. Uh, in 2016, just seven guards taken, one in round number one. That was Ryan Kelly. Um, you know, you saw Graham Glasgow taken, you know, um, by the Lions in the third round. And uh, Austin Blythe getting some playing time there for the Rams. He was taken in the seventh round. Uh, 2017, um, Ethan Posick um, taken in the second round. Uh, Pat Elfline, you know, who's been been a starter up front for for the Vikings. He was taken in round number three. And then Chase and Roulier, uh, Chase Roulier out of uh, Wyoming, taken in the fourth round by the Redskins. He's starting as well, but no tackles taken in the first round. Uh, I'm sorry, centers. And then in 2018, check this out, 11 centers taken in the 2018 draft. And two in the first round. They were back-to-back. Frank Ragnow and, and Billy Price taking number 20 and 21 overall by the, the, the Lions and, and Bengals. Um, you know, in the second round, you had Austin Corbett, who you know, could actually project as a guard. Uh, James Daniels, um, you know, they, those two were taking six picks apart in, in round number two. In round number three, Martinez Rankin, who can also play tackle, and Mason Cole, who can also play tackle. Um, they were both taken in, in round number three. So I, I think there's a lot more value in, in the center position, and you're seeing a lot more athletic uh, centers. I got five centers, um, really six, that I want to talk about real quick. And, uh, man, when you talk about centers, it's going to start with, with Garrett Bradbury. You know, And he, he's a guy... Um, I heard Daniel Jeremiah call him the grim, um, grim reacher, um, with it, with his reach blocks. Uh, so, so athletic, um, you know, ran a four, nine, three forty at the combine. He's a converted tight end. So you see that with his, with his movement skills, um, all America honors as a, as a senior won the Remington trophy for, uh, college football's top center, um, you know, I think he's just, you know, again, a beast with the reach blocks, showing off his athleticism to get outside leverage, even on three techniques. Um, and once he gets outside, he's able to sustain that block and eliminate his man. A very fluid athlete, quick to change directions, squares up his man very well, um, shows excellent grip strength uh, to really lock on and control his man at the point of attack. Light on his feet, climbs to the second level, very very well under control, takes excellent angles, and knows how to finish his man in space. Um, very active hands, gets them onto the defensive tackle early in pass protection. Um, 
you know, the, he also, you know, in addition to all the athleticism that we've been talking about, um, put up 225, 34 times in the bench press. So, you know, the raw power to not only dominate his man at the point of attack, but also put him on his back. I think his biggest weakness right now is he tends to lean into his blocks a bit. Um, that causes him to get off balance, make him susceptible to counter moves. Guys can slip his blocks as well. But but that said, he's an immediate starter, a guy who I, I think, you know, I had him pegged to be the Carolina's replacement there at center until they, they wound up uh, signing Matt Paradis. But I think if, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens and I know I need a wide receiver in round number one, you know, potentially, you know, I can sit there and draft receivers second and third round, the depth at the position. I could sit there and get this center and get Garrett Bradbury and have my center position just completely taken care of for the next decade. Think about Mar- having Marshall Yanda there at, at offensive guard. He was a guy that you could just pencil in every single week. Garrett Bradbury could be that same type of guy at, at center and really be able to develop that chemistry with Lamar Jackson. I think that makes a lot of sense there at number 22 overall. Now, another guy who uh, you know ultimately I, I thought really helped himself throughout the season and I thought was a little underrated coming into things and uh, that that's Eric McCoy out of Texas A&M excellent length you know 6'4 303 pounds uh, 33 inch arms ran a 48940 at the combine I think that's really when people took notice of him but he was a guy that I had my eye on for quite some time uh, because of the athleticism, because of his movement skills. This was a guy who would get out and pull and be a lead blocker for Travion Williams, kicking guys out and, and allowing Travion Williams to accelerate up the sideline. A three-year starter, started all 39 games for the Aggies. He's a junior, um, powerfully built, um, allows him to anchor, but also athletic enough to hold up against speed rushers. Um and uh, again, you know, one of the more athletic centers. And again, like I said, I was talking about his ability to get out and be a lead blocker and, and climb to the second level. Um, you can see that with that 40 time, the, the, the speed, the play speed, um, you know, really is, uh, you know, it, it's comparable to what you see there with that, that 40 time. I think he's so quick getting out there, plays really with a low pad level too that allows him to uh, play with exceptional balance, a lateral quickness to get quickly out in front of defenders. I think he's he's pretty stout at the point of attack as well, pretty strong. Um, I, I think he's a guy who just continues to get better and better each and every year. Um, and uh, I think he's a plug-and-play center. If I'm the Rams, I lost John John Sullivan, who who got uh, got released. And uh, man, if I'm if I'm the Rams, yes, you know I can look at a lot of other positions, but I got to shore up my offensive line. Get Eric McCoy. Take care of your center. This is going to be your guy, your athletic uh, center there in the middle. And then you can look at potential, you know, replacement for eventual replacement for um, Andrew Whitworth potentially on day two, um, or an interior lineman to potentially replace Roger Saffold if Joseph Noteboom is not going to be the answer. So uh, the third center in this group is is Elton Jenkins. Um, you know, six four, three hundred and ten pounds, uh, out of Mississippi State, thirty-four inch arms. You know, excellent length for uh, for Mister Jenkins, and uh, a guy who's played a number of positions. You know, very versatile offensive lineman. Um, let's see. You know, he's he's actually started five games at left tackle, 
two games at left guard and one game at, at right tackle before finally finishing his career, uh, starting 25 of his last 26 games at the pivot. Um, excellent size, strength, and length uh, to be an early starter at the next level. Um, offers really good quickness out of his stance. Natural knee bender, plays with good leverage and hand placement as well. Uh, can also anchor at the point of attack. Solid in close quarters, I think. Um, I think his struggles begin when he's asked to really play in space. Um, very limited when climbing to the next level. Um, but I, I think he's somebody, if I'm the Chiefs, I lost Mitch Morse. I think I bring him in, compete with Austin Ryder for that, that, that center position, and I think he ends up starting right away um, for the Chiefs up front. Number four on my list, uh, how about Lamont Gilliard out of Georgia? Uh, 6'3", 305 pounds, just reminds you of a, of a wrestler. Um, there on the interior of the line, a guy who's who's looking to uh, looking to fight you, you know, um, not going to give any give up any ground, um, you know, just kind of reminds you of that like that 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 plug, that fire hydrant, just a guy who's just going to sit there and just um, you know, really clog up the, the the middle, you know, very stout at the point of attack, um, and again, you know, he's going to play with excellent um, excellent pad level, and uh, I think he could be an early starter. Uh, Mike Jordan. Out of out of Ohio State, um, 6'6", 312 pounds, started at, at guard or center in all of his games there for the Buckeyes. Um, tremendous length, 34 and a quarter inch arms. You know, there's talk that maybe he could play tackle at the next level. I don't know that he necessarily has the foot speed to do that, but he has the versatility to play both guard and center. As does uh, Connor McGovern of Penn State, by the way. Um, but I think he's got some some good. Um, good athleticism for an interior lineman and, uh, you know, will use that length to his advantage. But at 6'6", you worry about the pad level at times getting too high. Um, and when he does play high, uh, he, he tend to, tends to get blown back off the football. So he's going to have to watch that, um, you know, and some of the awareness, picking up block, uh, picking up some of the blitzes uh, and stunts. You know, I, I think he's going to have to improve there a little bit. But, you know, he's somebody, because of his versatility, I think he'll probably end up getting drafted probably fourth round, if I am um, if I were to guess right now. And then number six, Ross Pierschbacher, 6'4", 307 pounds, uh, the senior uh, interior lineman. This is a guy who... Um, you know, has played at both. You know, played both center and guard for uh, for the Crimson Tide, and uh, just you know, a smart guy. Um, you know, more than serviceable. Um, you know, a guy who doesn't make a ton of mistakes. And, and when I think of him, in terms of some of that versatility um, for Bama, um, I, I think of, of Barrett Jones. Um, you know. Pierce Bacher, 6'4", 307. Uh, Barrett Jones coming out in, in 2013 was a fourth-round pick. Uh, 6'5", 310 pounds. Um, you know, played tackle, could play center. Um, you know, played in a number of positions. Um, was drafted by the Rams, ultimately waived and, uh, you know, bounced around Steelers, Bears, Eagles. Um, played on some practice squads, battled some injuries, um, you know, and ultimately didn't get a chance but uh, he was awarded the, the Remington Trophy in, in, uh, in 2012 as the best center after he had played tackle um, for Bama 
um, intelligent player. And that's really what I think of with, with Ross Pierschbacher is, is, uh, you know, just a, an intelligent player, a guy who can play multiple positions and a guy who I think could, uh, you know, could stick at the next level. Uh, the, the, you know, what Barrett Jones really ran into were injuries, you know, serious foot injury in the SEC championship game, um, still ended up playing, um, in the BCS championship game, um, but uh, I, I think he's someone that, you know, Pierce Bacher, not, not, you know, again, not the most athletic, but a guy because of his, his instincts, because of his high football IQ, um, could get a shot. So, episodes 27, 28, 29. I'm sorry, 26, 27, 28, 29. So I actually have four podcasts that I put together uh, that covered the offense. So we're done with the offense. Quarterbacks all the way through the skill positions, got through the offensive line. Now it's time to talk about defense. The next podcast, we're going to break down the defensive line. So we're going to talk about edge rushers. We're going to talk about defensive tackles. Um, So that will be our next episode. I'm going to try to get it to you here in the next couple of days because, again, the NFL draft – is going to begin less, uh, you know, in less than a week away. Uh, they're on April 25th in Nashville, Tennessee. And my goal is by the time we're done with this, with the Ready for the Draft podcast for this season, I want to make sure that you are ready for the draft, that you know who are the players to watch out for, who my favorite players are, who are my guys that, uh, you know, I've got ranked in the in the top 10 Um so we're going to cover the defense. This is a defense-heavy draft, um, a, a lot of depth, especially along the the, the front. So um, this is a podcast. This next one that is one that I'm really looking forward to. And again, in my last mo- uh, mock draft, I'll make sure that it's updated on the website before uh, the 25th. And my last podcast, we'll actually be talking about my mo- my mock draft. So uh, we're going to cover defensive line. Then we'll cover the linebackers, cover the secondary. We'll get one last podcast to talk about my mock draft, and then we'll be ready for the draft. So hopefully everyone has a great weekend. Enjoy your Easter Sunday, and uh, we'll talk soon. Again, for the Ready for the Draft podcast and readyforthedraft.com, this is Greg Schutz, and I am out of here. Take care, everyone.